Uh, seriously, it's so good to be back with you after uh, several weeks off on sabbatical. Uh, I have uh, really enjoyed that time and uh, just really I want to encourage you, uh, always spend time with the, with the Lord. It's one of the bullet points later. Always spend time with the Lord because it's time well spent. And uh, just a good time for me to reflect, to kind of look into the mirror. You know, the scripture uh, actually calls itself the mirror. And it says that we should reflect on the word of God and look at ourselves and look inside of ourselves. And uh, it was just a, a really great time uh, uh, for me to, to just kind of be able to do some work on me. And uh, I, I was uh, truly blessed by by that time. What was great about it is I missed uh, you all, missed, missed the church uh, so much that we actually, uh, a couple Sundays I could have gone to other churches, me and my family came here. So, uh, and we just attended. We didn't have any responsibilities. We just uh, came in and sat in the back corner and, and attended, and it was, it was just really, really good uh, to uh, be able to have that time and, and, and to, to use it for God's glory and, and his purposes in my life. And so, I just, I just want to start out this morning uh, just kind of echoing the same uh, sentiments that Brad did earlier. It's just I really, really appreciate uh, everybody uh, kind of, you know, filling in different roles and different things I do for our church staff. Uh, they did really, really well for our elders. I, I know some stuff happened and coronavirus happens and all, you know, making decisions and, and calling the shots and doing the operations and, and, and all that. Really appreciate that. Um, and, and also for you as volunteers, you know, when I, when I uh, was about to depart, you know, I remember our ministries, what we were praying about was that, you know, are we going to have children's church, you know, because we, we didn't have enough volunteers, and are we going to have Wednesday night discipleship, because we didn't have enough volunteers, and, um, you know, in, in different areas in our church, and uh, it's just amazing how you all have stepped up and, and uh, shown that, that hey, you're, you're dedicated to the mission of Jesus Christ, and we really appreciate that, and want to let you know, though, just like Brad said, there's still more opportunities out there, so uh, say yes to serving and ministry in God's church, and we invite you uh, to, be, to be a part of that. Um, it, it's just wonderful. I also just want to say a special thanks to uh, Alan Seibel. I know he's not here today. We sent him away um, for uh, seven weeks. No, just kidding. Um, we, we, he, he had some vacation planned and scheduled, and he, and he should have, and, and uh, just really appreciate him uh, being here and, and covering the the pulpit and, and doing just a great job with some sermon series and different things. And so I just want to echo that sentiment to all of you. And so when you see him, because he will be back uh, next Sunday, um, when you see him, just tell him a big thank you, uh, really, for, for the job that he's done in, in my absence. I know that uh, there are a lot of things thrown his way. You know, uh, we always make the joke on staff, and I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Friends, you know, and, and Ross Geller when he was trying to get that couch up the stairs, you know, and he's like, pivot pivot you know it's like all the time we come to work and it's like oh this is coronavirus oh pivot okay we're gonna do this oh wait pivot and we just you know we keep making the adjustments and uh keeps it really interesting around here but again just so thankful for our team they did a great great job uh, while i was gone so i thought i'd start out this morning uh maybe you could call this you know a little pre-sermon but you know i get asked so, by so many people about sabbatical what was it like and you know all those kind of things so let me just start out by saying by saying this okay it's one of those things, I feel bad sometimes, like if you're having a bad day, don't you hate it when someone says, you know, how are you doing, and you know, how's, you know, for me it was, how's sabbatical going, okay, there were certain times of sabbatical, it was not going well, I mean, I had no idea I could fight that much with my wife, you know, um, and, and I love her, and, and our marriage is solid, and, uh, but, you know, just things happen, and, and it was kind of like the best of times, the worst of times, uh, there was some soul detox, I felt like God had to bring me through for the first few weeks, just really struggled with 
uh, just, just, just a bunch of stuff, and, and I felt like God was working on me there. Um, and then after uh, that, uh, I was in a really great time, so it kind of depends on when you ran into me. I, don't, I didn't want to lie, but, you know, was it great? Yes, it was the best of times, and it was the worst of times, uh, but ended on a great note, and uh, just, you know, just uh, really appreciate, appreciate that time. But I want to share with you, uh, just real quick to begin this morning, five quick things that I learned while I was on sabbatical. The first one is this, I'm thankful for who we are and where we are as a church. I'm more thankful now for who we are and where we are as a church. I visited lots of churches when I was gone. And, and, you know, you have this tendency when you're in my line of work to want to go when you get to, like, just go to church is to kind of go on a bigger and better scavenger hunt. And so, you know, you're going to go to churches a little bit bigger, probably a little bit better, and you just want to see what they do. What, what can you learn about discipleship and and how does their guest services team work? And, you know, what are their sermon series? What's the, what about the, the flow of their services? And so you're looking at those things. And I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed to the fact that we were walking out of church one Sunday, and the girls were like, man, we're never going back to that church. I want to go back to Oakwood. And I was like, I feel the same way. So it wasn't just me. It was my whole family's like, hey, we have a good thing going at Oakwood. I mean, we got great people here. God's spirit is here. We're seeing uh, still salvations and baptisms. And I know there were some of those while I was gone and i mean it's just like god is moving in this place and in this body and so uh, that's super exciting and so it really made me appreciate uh, who we are and where we are as a church but the second thing i'd say i learned on sabbatical is that we got a long way to grow we have a long way to grow and, and also i would say go uh, that we have a lot of people to reach here in enid and, and garfield county uh, and, and they're just areas of our church uh, that show sometimes maybe a little atrophy a little weakness and and I, I want to make sure that we are fully developed and fully devoted in all areas of church life and ministry. And, and so it's a reminder, too, that there, there are some areas that we need to tweak. There are some areas we need to mature in as the body of Christ and grow and reflect Christ even more. And so uh, that, that was something else that, that I learned. The third thing I learned uh, while I was uh, gone was that coronavirus stinks, Okay. Uh, someone posted this week, coronavirus ruins everything. I was like, well, I don't know if it ruins everything because it didn't steal my salvation, praise God. But uh, yeah, it does stink, you know. I mean, I had all these plans with my family that we were going to get on an airplane and go somewhere, you know. We, we call it like being, you know, normal. It's like my girls have never been on a plane. I really wanted to put them on a commercial jet and go. And, and then the place we wanted to go was closed. And then they had all these restrictions. And then you couldn't do this. And you had to do this, and it was just like, oh my goodness, I mean, just through it all, it was just one of those things, so, and I think we can all feel that, right, right, COVID-19, coronavirus, however you want to call it, it just stinks, you know, it, it does have this tendency to, to uh, ruin some things, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about that in just a minute, but I also was reminded while I was gone, gone that God is good and faithful, and he wants to continue his work in us and through us, God is good, and he is faithful, and he wants to continue his work in us and through us to the community, in us and through us to the world. And that work continues in me, and that work also continues in you. That is God's design to save the world, was that his people would be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, that we would be his, his holy mouthpieces, and that people would experience a taste of heaven and a taste of Jesus Christ through how we live and how we love. And so, that is still continuing on today. It was a good reminder of that. And the last thing was that uh, any time you spend with God, any time you spend with him, is time well spent because he anchors your soul. And man, do we need a soul anchor today. Any time you spend with the Lord is time well spent. When you are reading 
the, the Holy Scriptures, when you're reading your Bible, when you are, are, are doing daily devotions, when you're spending time in prayer, when you're spending time serving the Lord, all of those things that help you grow and, and, and stir in you and develop in you and in your heart that relationship with Jesus Christ and make you look more like Jesus, make you look uh, more holy and more sanctified, all of those things, all that time spent is so worth it. It's so worth it. And I got to do a lot of that over the last few weeks. And I got, you know, I, I didn't have any responsibilities. So I like read, I love to read, but I read a lot and uh, prayed a lot and I spent time reflecting. I, I don't journal. I just think, I don't know, I just think it's dumb. And, you know, oh, you need to have a prayer journal. And I don't know, I don't want to do a journal. But I just kind of have this, I call it my guide. It's just kind of this blue thing. I was writing. And I got all kinds of sermon ideas and notes and things God said to me. And I did something really stupid. It made my wife mad. I, I was listening to a podcast uh, driving to Tulsa to one of my daughter's uh, volleyball tournaments. And I, when I was driving, uh, I was taking notes. And she's like, that's so dumb. And yeah, probably at 75 miles per hour, that was a little dumb. But, you know, God was speaking and I was excited. And so I, I pray that for, for all of you that you have those, those moments with God. So I do want to address kind of the elephant in the room, this, this whole coronavirus thing. And I just want to mention a few things quickly about it. Because uh, I think we're all, we're all sick of it. But uh, the first thing, uh, th some things that I learned is that everybody's dealing with this. All churches are dealing with this. Cities, states um, are dealing with this. I have a daughter that's in Joplin, Missouri, and they had a mask mandate. And if you go out in the world at all, you have to have a mask on. And some places don't have a mask. And, you know, there's all of this kind of thing. And it's amazing how Satan has used something like this, a face, cover, a face covering. That's all this is. It's just a mask. You know, you just put it on. It's amazing how Satan can use this as a tool of division with the body of Christ. I mean, it's amazing that they're just Christians, and I saw, I saw a few sparring on social media about it, which is just an ugly place to, to spar anyway, but uh, I, I mean, people just have really strong feelings about mask or no mask. Now, what's funny about that is if you came to me, I can make an argument, and I can show you science to back up both sides of the issue. I can show you articles from the CDC that say, wear a mask and don't wear a mask. And so if you want to come to me, I was like, hey, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. I'll make the other argument. I can play, you know, play the advocate there and show you the other side of the issue, you know. But the amazing thing is, like, we cannot let something like this come and divide the church. We can't let something like whether you want to wear a mask or don't wear a mask come within the body of Christ. Because the fact is, this is what I think the fact is, is that everybody's right. If you're wearing a mask, you're right. You should wear a mask. If you're not wearing a mask, you're right. You shouldn't wear a mask. You know, the one thing that, that, that I see in all of the science and stuff is physical, dis physical distancing, that we should distance physically. Now, that makes sense if you think about it. If we all stay and don't have any contact within a few feet of each other, I mean, reasonably, I mean, if I sneeze right now and just spray the front row and they're like, oh, you know, yeah, they might get, you know, what I have. But we've, we, we don't have anybody on the front row. They're on the second row. There's a reason for that, right? But, but seriously, it's like, it's like, you know, there's some common sense there with the physical distancing thing. I, and, and I get that. But, but with the whole masks and not masks, it's like, I don't want that to be a place of division within the body of Christ. I just want us to love each other in spite of it. You know, I kind of get sick of the, the over-spiritualization of this. I went to a church uh, that, that was, at the end of the service, they talked about masks and all this. And it was just like ruined the whole experience. It's like, Let's just talk about Jesus. Let's not talk about whether we're in mass next week or not, you know. And they tried to, you know, kind of spin it like, you know, if you're going to love your neighbor, this is the way that you love your neighbors to, is to wear a mask. Then I went to a church that was like, you know, wearing masks. Well, where's the faith in that? Where's your faith? You don't need a mask, you know. And it's like we can make all kinds of arguments and feelings on every side of the issue. 
So I just want to say to you, if you're wearing a mask or you're not wearing a mask, I love you, and I think you're doing the right thing either way. And uh, I, I don't think there's a person in here that wants to get coronavirus or pass it on to anyone else. I just don't, I just don't believe there's anyone that's in their heart that's like, wants that for themselves or for somebody that, that is in God's family this morning and, and in God's church. So uh, I just want to make sure that we know and, and our leaderships are going to stand together on this, that we're going to make sure that we're not going to allow any virus to divide the body of Christ. And as we all make adjustments and we all do what we're asked to do and sometimes told to do and, and suggested to do and wherever we're at on those issues, that we're just going to have a mutual respect for one another, just love one another love one another through it, and try to be safe, and, and try to be healthy. Healthy. That's why we have every other uh, pew closed, and, and trying to just space things out, and so uh, that's super important. And, and the other thing I figured out about this whole virus thing, there's three kinds of people now. There's three kinds of people. There's people that are just over it. Like, I heard that this week. There's people that are just over it. Like, Man, I'm so over it. I'm not doing anything ever again. I'm licking every doorknob, you know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's just, A, that's gross. You know, B, it's like, yeah, lick a frozen doorknob, you know, in the winter, but not, yeah, but, but you know, it's like I'm licking every door, and I'm like, come on, you know, so you have some people that are just over it, you have some people, too, that are cautious, you know, they're just trying to be cautious, they're trying to be smart, and their heart and their mind's in the right place, they, they're just wanting to not, you know, be a carrier of it, pass it on to others, and they're wanting to, you know, protect themselves or somebody in their family that's vulnerable, and then you have people that are, are super cautious, and maybe, maybe there's a lot of fear because of They've got some medical stuff that you don't, you don't know what's going on in their life. And, and so they're, you know, I mean, I, I heard of, of somebody that um, has not left their house since March. They, they haven't gone out the front door of their house since March. They've had everything delivered to them and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, it's because of some health issues that they've got. And so, you know, it's one of those things. We're all right. You know, I think everybody's right. You're, we're all trying to do the best we can. And so let's make sure we support each other in that and love each other through that. And don't make that, th that something that's negative. Now, before we get into scriptures, well, I'm going to say uh, just a, a couple of other things that I want to share. But I, I do want you to uh, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And if you're following along this morning in the app, you can just, you know, the verses are there for you along with the bullet points. But that's where we're going to begin this morning is in Romans chapter 8. So if you want to kind of make your way there, in case you're old school like me. I was watching a podcast uh, a few weeks ago of a church in Arizona. Their reopening plans after being closed down like we were was for Father's Day, for June 21st. Now, if you know what happened in Arizona, they had a major spike and were, were the hot spot in the country around Father's Day. And so churches were looking at and making these decisions, whether to go back or whether to put it, put it off, you know, and what's the right thing to do. One of the churches that, that was struggling with that was, was one of our churches. It's an independent Christian church. Runs about 35,000 on the weekends um, in the greater Phoenix area. And, uh, they, of course, they were getting publicity and TV coverage. And are you going to meet? And are you not going to meet? And, and all this kind of stuff. And they were trying to make it about the virus and spreading the virus. But in the course of that interview, they said, you know what? The only reason we're really going back to meet is because we think the world needs the church right now. That's the only reason we're even thinking about it. If it was just all about jeopardizing people, we wouldn't meet. But we feel like there's something that happens. God speaks to us. The Holy Spirit is in this place. And we get to come together as family, as church. And we feel like that's important. One of the things that got me thinking about is, you know, are we fighting just the coronavirus? Or are we fighting some of the effects of the coronavirus? 
Let me share some statistics with you this morning. Suicide rates are up 162% versus pre-pandemic times. Up 162% suicides. Child abuse reports are down 29% since schools went online. Child abuse reports went down 29%. Now you think about that, you're like, well, that's good. The less kids are being abused, right? Think about it. A lot of that reporting comes from the schools. Down 29%. Alcohol and drug abuse on the rise. Marijuana, medicinal, oil, whatever. All that stuff is just astronomical uh, in, in what they're selling. Uh, more than ever, alcohol uh, just on the rise. The, uh, not, not only the purchase of it, but the consumption of it. Um, all of that. And, and the abuse and incidences uh, of alcohol and drug abuse are increasing every month. Seems like it's going to be an astronomical curve. Psychiatric and mental health issues are at an all-time high and continue to increase to the point the mental health professional threshold in the country is feeling like we're full, we can't see you, you're going to have to find someone else and everyone's full. And the last thing I want to share is divorce filings are up 30% from the same time last year. Same time last year, 30% more divorce filings compared to the same time. And so you, you, ask, you come to this point and you ask this question, is this, you know, what we're dealing with in the world, is this coronavirus or is this some of the social effects out of coronavirus? Like there's a fallout of it because there's so much, there's so much going on in our world. And we get to this point where, you know, you feel like, man, it's not just about the virus, the virus being spread or not spread or who has it or who doesn't. Man, families are being ripped apart. Marriages are ending. People are under economic stress like they've never been. There's all of these other things that are effects from it. And the church has the answers. And Jesus Christ, we're the ones that can help. We're the ones that can be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus to the lost and dying world. And so maybe this is the time that the church should meet more than ever because the world needs the truth the hope, and the light of Jesus Christ. And it's something that I think that we, we need to be aware of, is that maybe it's not just about that. Maybe it's from the fallout from all that. But I want to give you a word of encouragement this morning, that God's church and God's people prevail, that, that we will prevail, that we will get through this, and that there will be a time and a day on the other side of this. The, the, the title for today's message, if you grab the bulletin when you're coming in, it says prevail. And I want you to understand this morning that that is the truth from God's word. And what that means is there's not, an, there's not a virus, there's not a pandemic, there's not an economy, there's not a government, there's not an election, there's not anything that can throw off God's plan and God's sovereignty over all things in our life. There's nothing that's going to take away our hope or take away the love that Jesus has for us. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 37. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Christians in Rome who've been under persecution. They've been through a lot of things. And he's reminding them of Christ's sacrifice, reminding them of who God is and how much he loves them. And he says this in Romans 8, 37. No, in all of these things, and he's been talking for really a, a few chapters here. In chapter 7, he was talking about how we fight temptation. 
and, and how sinfulness is just always crouching at our door. It's just like, you know, so obnoxious to be dealing with stuff that we had dealt with before. He's, he's talking about all of these situations in life, and he says, no, in all of these situations in life, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let's stop there in verse 37 for just a second. We are more than conquerors. What does that mean to be a more than conqueror? We know what a, a conqueror is. What does it mean to be more than? Some translations put it this way, that we will overwhelmingly conquer. Now, the word, therefore, more than conquerors, actually is a compound Greek word for that phrase that we translate into English. It's amazing because on the front of that word, it has the word hyper. Now, if you have something like, if you're hypersensitive, it means what? You're overly sensitive, hypersensitive. This is a Greek word that says hyper-conqueror. That we are overwhelmingly conquerors in this life through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so it says here that we are more than conquerors. How? How are we more than conquerors? How are we going to get through this time? It's through him who loved us. It's talking about Jesus Christ, Son of God, being a sacrifice for us. It's through him. It's his power. It's his love. It's his grace. It's his mercy. It's his forgiveness that's going to get us through life and give us the hope that we need. Now, go on in our passage here. He says, for I'm convinced... And trust me, if Paul says he's convinced, he's convinced, okay? He says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing is going to separate us from God's love. We are, we are God's children. We are his people. And he says, I'm convinced that you can throw anything at me in this world. You can throw death. Life, angels, demons, present, or even the future. We don't know what the future holds. Powers, height, death, anything else in all creation. We'll be able to, you know, no virus. We'll be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. No election of whoever gets elected to an office. No, we'll be able to separate us from the love of God. No governmental, you know, mandate. We'll ever be able to separate us from, well, it doesn't matter what happens in this life because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. And that is why we place our faith in him. That's why we have our hope in him and nothing else. Nothing else. Don't put your hope in the economic recovery. No, we have our hope in Jesus Christ. Because we know in that it settles our hearts. And he says, guess what? When you do that and you have your faith in me, you're more than conquerors. Overwhelmingly conquered is what you're going to do. You're going to be hyper-conquerors in the name of Jesus Christ. Man, we need that kind of word this morning. We need that kind of encouragement from the Word of God. So mark that. Memorize that. Highlight it. It's okay. I know Mom always told you don't mark in your Bible. I mark my Bible all the time so I can remember things. So write it, underline it, highlight it, mark it in your Bible so that you know, hey, there's nothing in this world that's going to separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to point you to another uh, verse of Scripture, and this is from Jesus Christ himself. It's found in Matthew chapter 16. So if you would turn there to Matthew chapter 16. Just one verse we're going to look at. It's verse 18. But there in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 18, and Jesus, let me just kind of set this up for you. Jesus has taken the disciples, and they've uh, arrived at this uh, region called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was one of the filthiest places on the earth at that time. Um, you know, all kinds of problems, and, and they were committing all kinds of rude and crude acts, sexual acts. They had 
you know, idol worship, idolatry was rampant. I mean, this place was just a, a horrible, dirty place. And he brings the disciples there, and he begins teaching them. He's kind of drawing this distinction, you know, between what, what the world wants and what Jesus wants in their lives. And he gets to the end of this, and he declares so much in this one verse, Matthew 16, 18. This is what Jesus says. These are red letters, the word of, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He says, and I tell you, he's talking to Peter, one of the disciples, okay? He says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, you read a verse like that, it's really important that we understand what we're reading here, okay? So he starts out there by using uh, Peter's name, and in the Greek, his name is Petros, okay? Petros is with a capital P, uh, that's the letter pi in Greek. And so the first word he used there is he goes, I'm telling you that you are Petros, and what that means is rock. And so he says, hey, Peter, I want you to know, you are a rock, you're Petros, that's your name, it's the name that, that, that Jesus has given to him, it was also Cephas, but uh, he says, hey, you are Petros, you are rock, and then he says, and on this rock, and it's lowercase this time in the English because it was lowercase in the Greek, and that's the word Petra. It's also a form of Petros. Petros is like the masculine proper noun form of it. And then Petra, little rock, is the feminine uh, non-proper noun version of the word rock. Like you just say a stone or a rock. He's, and Jesus says here that, hey, hey, Peter, on this rock, hey, rock guy, rock name guy, just like you are a rock, on this rock I will build my church. That's the first time the word church is actually used in Scripture. Now, the word church is this Greek word that's ekklesia. Ecclesia. Uh, you may have heard it pronounced. I remember in the 80s and 90s it was ecclesia, ecclesia, and it's, it's actually ecclesia. But, but uh, what that word church means, it is the gathering of Christ's followers. It's actually uh, another one of those words that when you get into the linguistics and the language of it, it, it and this is the first time it's used in, in the New Testament, is Jesus saying it here very early on. He says, so no one would know what a church was, okay, is what I'm trying to get across here. He says, on this rock I will build my church, my ecclesia, and, and, it, and that is also a compound Greek word, and, and what it means is, is it's God's called out ones. It's the gathering or the assembly of God's called out ones. So he says, on this rock I will build my God's called out ones gathering, and then he says, and then the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. When he uses that term, the gates of Hades, that represented everything sinful, awful, dirty, and evil in the world. I mean, anything you can think of right now, violence and, and sexual perversion and crime, and you just think of the worst, dirtiest things you can fill your mind right now, that represented gates of Hades. That's what Jesus was saying here. And he says that, hey, on this rock, just like you're a rock, Peter, on this rock, on God's people, on this rock that is Jesus Christ, it says in First and Second Peter that, that Jesus is our cornerstone. He's the foundation of the church. He says, hey, on this rock, right here in Caesarea Philippi with all this filth around and all this stuff going and spinning around in the world, hey, on this rock I will build my gathering of the saints, my, my saved ones, the called out ones, and guess what? The gates of Hades, the worst of the worst, will not overwhelm it. Another translation will not overcome it. Another translation says will not prevail against it will not prevail. That's the other word we have to get here, is prevail. Prevail means to prove more powerful than, oppo than opposing forces, to be victorious. Prevail, to prove more powerful than opposing forces, to be victorious. We will prevail. 
God's church will prevail. God's people will prevail because Christ prevails. He overcame sin. He overcame death. He rose on the third day. And because of that, we can have hope of an eternal future in heaven with God. Ultimately, if we die, we win. Ultimately, when we get to the end of our life, you stay faithful in Jesus Christ. You keep your faith in him. And you have hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And guess what? There's not a pandemic, not a virus, not an economy, not a government, not an election. What does Paul say there? Height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor death, nor life, the present, the future, the powers, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of Christ, the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I tell you that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Because why? Because of Jesus. Because of what he has done for us. We're, we're the church, we're the ecclesia, the called out ones. The gather together in his name and believe he is who he says he is. That he will do all that he's promised to do. And because of that, we have peace because of that, we can have joy, even in the midst of all of the considerations with pandemic, all the inconveniences, all the things that are canceled, all the things that are trying to keep going, but going in a different way, all the things that frustrate us and agitate us and make it so negative that we could just get on the phone with each other and just be so negative. We don't have to be, because our hope and our rock is in Jesus Christ. You know, this, this whole idea of God's church is the idea of community. Yeah, that's why I hate the term social distancing. I don't like that. There's psychology behind that anyway. Physical distancing, yes, okay? Physically distance, keep six feet apart, try not to spread. Okay, I get that. But, but not social distancing, not in God's church. And I think that we all have these, you know. Most of us have a phone. We can call each other. We can text. We can put together an email. We can go old school and use the U.S. Postal Service. Help them out, you know, write a letter, send it, mail it. We're not going to be socially distant as a church. Physically distanced, I, I can get on board with that. But socially distanced, no. No, I refuse that as God's family and the community of believers that we would in any way, shape, or form be socially distant. I was talking to the staff about that this week. Physical distance. I mean, our staff meetings were in a different room, were spread out. No one wants the virus. No one wants to contract it or spread it to everyone else. No one wants to be that church, right? But we're going to stay connected. And we're going to have hope. And we're going to pray and go through our lives in the next few weeks, the next few months, and, until it comes back to some semblance of normalcy. Better off because... We're going to have to lean into Jesus Christ even more and have faith in him and believe on him. I want to end with this this morning. Now, this is spoiler alert. I know some of you don't like, you know, spoiler alert. You don't like to know, know how things end. So if you don't know, want to know how the, the world's going to end and how Christianity and, and all that ends, then just cover your ears. Be that guy or that gal. But I'll tell you this morning, if you read the book of Revelation, it's the vision of 
uh, John from, from the Lord, and he goes through all kinds of things that are going to happen in the last days, the end times, and the second return of Jesus Christ, and the spiritual warfare that's going on. But I just want to tell you, you read Revelation, you read it to the end, you find out, in the end, we win. In the end, we win. It doesn't matter what happens. Throw another pandemic our way. Throw an economy crashing our way. Throw whatever you need to throw our way. In the end, we win because we have Jesus Christ. And if you're sitting here this morning and say, well, I don't have Jesus Christ. I haven't been, I've never accepted him as Lord and Savior. I, don't, I haven't placed my faith in him. And, and you're feeling a nudge this morning. You're feeling like, gosh, something's happening to me right now. Guys, that's not good preaching. That's God's Holy Spirit saying, come home. Come home, child of mine. I love you, and I want to save you. You make that choice this morning that I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. At the very end of our service, after we sing the last song this morning, we're inviting you to come forward. Come forward. You have any decision. If you want prayer, just talk to someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to repent of, of some sin in your life that has taken you away. Maybe you've made that decision to give your life to Christ, but you've been walking like, like you don't believe it anymore. We invite you to come and be ministered to this morning. But in the end, we win. Because there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. You know, the only thing that can really separate us that I see in Scripture is, is your own sinful choices to not choose Christ. To turn, to turn your, your back on Him. That's why the Bible calls us to repentance. When, when Peter was sharing that in Acts chapter 2, and he shared it to the crowd in Jerusalem, it says that they were stricken to the heart. And they asked him, what do we need to do? And Peter told him, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sin. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We need to repent. We need to be baptized. We need to walk with him and put our trust in him and be with him all the days of our life. And because of that, it doesn't matter what mainstream media says or social media says or any kind of media says. It doesn't matter. What, what, what economic news comes out or who gets elected in November. The fact is, we need to be putting our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ and be focusing on him more and more each and every day. Because that, in the end, is what really matters. The rest of this stuff, it's going to fall away. It's going to seem like a distant memory someday. As those of us that are in Jesus Christ have the promise of heaven, to be with God. Make that decision today. If you've walked away, repent. Turn back to Him. Go God's way. Because in doing so, you're going to find great peace and great love and great hope. And trust me, your friends, your co-workers, the people you come into contact with that are not in the room today, they need that too. Just like we do. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you love us so much that you would send Jesus to die on the cross. God, just amazing grace. Lord, I, I, I thank you that you loved us so much that not only did you send Jesus, but you, you gave us an opportunity for a good life now if we'll just follow you. Lord, we understand that when we choose sin, sin has consequences. Sin, sin satisfies for a season or for a moment, but it's fleeting. The devil lies to us and lures us in. It's some kind of pattern in our life that takes us away from you. That's what sin means, is to miss the mark. Sin separates us from you. And God, because of Jesus and what he did on the cross, 
that resurrection power that brought him out of that grave on the third day, that same resurrection power resurrects us from the sinful life and raises us up to walk in newness of life, as it says in Romans chapter 6. And so, God, we give you all the praise and glory for that. And I just pray, God, as a church, as an ecclesia, as a gathering of the called out ones, God, that we would choose you and we'd be reminded this morning to be a people of hope, to be a, a people of love, that the lost and dying world looks to us. We're your ambassadors, the scripture says. We are your representatives to the world. We are making a plea on your behalf. Look at look at. Ec- Ecclesia, look at the church. Look at God's people. Find out, how do they make it through? Because of Jesus Christ. God, we give you all the praise and glory for that. I just pray if there's anyone outside of you this morning, Lord, could today be the day of salvation for them. God, just continue to work as we sing this song. Just have your spirit continue to move in us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.